Amen, High Point. It's good to see you all this morning. Thanks to the worship team. They have a, yeah, praise God. Give them a round of applause. Give them a round of applause. Uh, they do a lot of uh, late nights, uh, Thursday nights and sometimes Wednesday nights. And uh, when I pulled up in the parking lot, I don't know, 6.30 something, they're pulling in too. And so uh, we just thank you for all the ways in which people uh, serve God uh, here at High Point Church. Uh, my name is uh, Pastor Lloyd. Um, I'm the senior associate pastor at High Point Church. Um, I'm excited to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, the first thing I want to do is uh, thank the Church of Restoration in Life, uh, Pastor Pedro and his, and his leadership team. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it's outstanding, and I think Mike did an outstanding job of sharing with you um, the heart behind that. It's a beautiful thing. So we thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, today, I am here to preach, and sometimes when you come to preach, you don't, you don't, here's a secret, secret, secrets from preachers. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we don't feel like preaching. <laughs> you know, it's, I, we're, we're human in natural emotions and so forth. Today, I feel like preaching. And so, so, so I'm ready to go. Um, <laughs> what we've been doing in this series, what we've been doing in this series um, is we are, uh, have been studying in 1 Samuel the history of Israel that deals with the period of time where the judges, God's appointed leaders, uh, both spiritual and military, that that form of leadership, so there was always a theocracy, God was always in charge, but he used judges for a series of about 400, maybe 430 years uh, to lead the people. And now we're about to transition from a theocracy that had a judge to a theocracy that has a king, a human king. And so today we want to talk about that transition. That's what we're going to do um, this morning. I want to tell you also kind of where, we, where we're going. This is the eighth sermon in the uh, First Samuel series. Uh, next week we have, past, we have Tom Lynn, the president of InterVarsity. So we'll take a break from this series and Tom Lynn will preach. You'll, uh, you'll, you'll greatly enjoy him. And then after that, we will go back to substance with Manohar James, who you heard last week, with Vince Pieri, who you've heard in the past, and with me to close the series out. So I just want you to know where we're going. And then Pastor Nick is excited. He'll be back here in September. And I'm excited too, because, because I'm finding out this preaching stuff on a regular basis is hard work. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be like, all right, man, you ready? You ready to go? And so he'll, he'll be back here to get going here pretty soon. All right, uh, so that's where we're headed. Today, we want to talk about 1 Samuel chapter 12. I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to, to page 393. Page 393 in your Bibles. And we didn't have a scripture reader today. That was intentional because I wanted to read the text myself. Uh, page 393.
subtitle is Samuel's farewell address. Here we go. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I'm old and gray, and my sons are here with you. And I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed, his king. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these things, I'll make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hands. Samuel said to them, the Lord is witness with you and also his anointed, his king this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your ancestors up from out of Egypt. Now then, stand here because I am going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your ancestors. After Jacob entered Egypt, they cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab who fought against them. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned. We have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Asterisks. Uh, that's our memory verses of 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, 2b to 4. You remember it's the same uh, essential language. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jerubal, Baal, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around so that you lived in safety. But when you saw Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, no, we will, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and your king who reigns over you follow the Lord, your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was with your ancestors. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest now? This is a time of dry season in Israel. Is it not the wheat harvest dry season? I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for his replacement, when you asked for a king. 
Then Samuel called on the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. Then the people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all of our other sins the evil of asking for a replacement king, for asking for a king. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You've done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away after useless idols. They can't do you any good. They can't rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you and I will teach you what is good and right. Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. Be sure to be faithful to fear the Lord. Be faithful. And consider what great things God has done for you throughout your history as God is faithful. Be faithful as God is faithful is the message for this morning. The people have this terrible cycle of starting well and drifting away from God. And God will not change in regards to his righteousness, in regards to his grace. He will continue to have consequences for disobedience so that he can steer them towards righteousness. But the people are slow to learn. They don't remember what God has done for them through the desert and how they now live in fields they did not plant, with trees they did not plant. They have all kinds of wealth and riches that God provided for them when he brought them out of slavery in Egypt and put them in the land of Canaan. They don't remember all of the miraculous things that they did and then at a certain point they just want to flee. And when I think about this, I think about Luke. I think about the story of the lost son in Luke 15. And this is the situation where this lost, the, the, the father has two sons and the younger son says to the father, no. He's working, they're working together, they're building up the family. He says, no, I, I, I want my inheritance. And the interesting thing about that story is that the father doesn't react harshly. He goes to his estate, he separates it between the older and the younger son. The younger son takes it, he packs his money up and his resources up, and he goes off to a distant land, the scripture tells us, where he wasted the money on wasteful living, which we learn in the text also includes the use of prostitutes. So he goes and he has a party. He has a party like they do some of the weekends when I was down in Champaign. 
Except the party was last and he had a lot of money, so the party lasted a pretty long time. I don't know, a couple of months, I don't, know a year, I don't know how long the money lasted, right? But he had a good time for a season. And that's how sin is. You have a good time for a season, and then you have to, then you have to deal with the consequences, and the consequence was the money ran out, and at the same time, there was a recession, there was a famine in the land. And he, uh, he, needed a, he needed a job. He ran out of resources. He had a job. The only job he could get was to feed the swine. And it, had, it was a low-wage job. It didn't pay a living wage. And so when he was feeding the swine pods, he longed for the food the pigs were eating. That's how low his wages were. And in the midst of this foolishness, he comes to his senses. Like the Israelites in our story. Lord... He comes to a census, he says, I remember back in my, at my father's house, the servants had more than enough. They had, they had good wages. They didn't just have barely enough, they had living wages. And here I am starving. This is, this is crazy. And, and he, he starts setting out back for home, and while he was a long way off, this story really gets me every time. While he was, the father was hoping that he would come back. And so his father would be on the lookout looking for the son. And he sees him a long way out. And then he runs, the story says the father runs and kisses him. And the son says, listen, father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven. Uh, would you just please, would you just please make me like one of your highest servants? And he hugs him. He says, he goes to the servants. He says, bring him the best robe. Bring him the best robe and bring him a, a, a ring. We're going to have a party. And this party's going to be clean. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be righteous. But we're going to really rejoice that this son who was dead is now alive. Come talk back with me. He was dead, but now he's alive. So we're going to celebrate and rejoice for the returned son. If you got a son, this really gets to you. So anyway, they're, they're rejoicing. But here's the thing, how this story relates to our situation in 1 Samuel 12 is think of this son a year later, now healthy again, has saved a little bit of money, and goes back to his father and says, no, no, I'm going back and I'm going to do it all again. And let's say this happens time and time and time and time again. And now we understand where God is with Israel in this setting. So God is saying to them, time and time and time again, you've gone, done your thing, you've gone, received discipline, you've gone, and come back and I have received you and healed you and restored you. So now, be faithful as I am faithful. Are you with me? So today, I wanna to talk to you. There's two principles that are in the text that I wanna share with you, just two. And to say this, this is very relevant for us because if you think about what caused the, the son the lost son to drift away, it was that he was, grew tired of the restrictions on him, his freedom, and he wanted to party, right? Now, 
That sounds like modern people to me. That we grow tired of having constraints around us and we fail to see the, the goodness of proper restraints, right? That we have a lack of wisdom, right? And then we, we sometimes wanna just do our thing. We wanna fulfill our fleshly desires. We, don't, we just wanna have, especially when we're young, especially when we're young, we just wanna just, just let me go. Let me, let me experience things. And then so since you're older, you look at this stuff and you say, I've been there and done that. You're gonna come back sad and crying. but most of the young people go ahead and do it anyway. The good news is that oftentimes they, they come back. Be faithful as God is faithful. We, we tend to be drawn away. We tend to be drawn away by the gods of the times. Don't think that these old stories of the lost son and the, the, the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth are just, you know what, we're so much so sophisticated in modern medicine. We, that doesn't apply to us, that's a lie. If anything, the idols that we have to deal with today are even more alluring. They're even more shiny. They're even more attractive. And they're just as available to me as my cell phone. The, the, uh, the, the allure of my flesh and my, my capture to visual things and, and, to, and my need to be amused all day is just a cell phone away. In the text, in verse, on page 394, when they come to their senses, they say, we have sinned and forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the male Canaanite gods and the female Canaanite gods of the times. And the allure of that was, and we know from history that Canaanite worship included sexual prostitution, that they were male, and female idols. And so they could serve the God by serving their, their lusts and passions. That's why it was so hard to pull them out and that's why they kept going back involved into that, that same cycle of sin. They'd be faithful for a time and then they fall away. In substance, Nick has an awesome model that talks about modern idols. So you might say, Baals and Asterisks, what does that have to do with me? Well, let me update you. There are essentially three categories of God that I want to walk you through. This is Nick's area in substance. This will really bless you. Here's a very quick synopsis. The first is that we worship the true God, our creator, the true God who will sustain and keep us whose presence is, is nurturing for us. And when we worship him, we will go, grow in truth, we will grow in conviction, it will, it will bless us in the long run. It will, it will bring us wholeness and happiness in the long run. When we worship the true God, when we worship human power, right, what, what tends to lead it to is that we fall under coercion, we, we fall under oppression. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, when the people tell Samuel and demand a God, he tells them, your king will take. 
Your human king will take your land. Your human king will take your flocks. Your human king will take your sons. Your human king will tax your fields. Your human king is going to eventually turn into a god with a small g. He's going to take first to build the military and so forth. And then it says in first chapter, chapter 8, around verses 10 to the end of the chapter, it says, and then he will take them for himself. The human king will become a small g and he will oppress you. That is why we cannot put our hope in our, our leaders, our, milita- our, our political leaders. Our human kings are like us. Come on, talk with me. And prone to pride and failure and prone to that sin cycle. And so they are prone to want to serve, to have you serve them like a small g god. That's the second. And the third one is created things. This is when we try to serve our sin nature. When we, when we try to serve, um, I, I, I just want to experience all the things that are in life. I like the way that Nick talks about this with one example. He says this, the sensory stimulation technologies delivered is constantly grabbing our attention. Before we know it, we are looking at our phones every time it beeps. Listen, yesterday uh, I was up early doing some work. About eight o'clock I said, hey, I need to go to the store and to Miller's in Verona and get some milk. And I, I walked to go put my sandals and shorts on and went out to go and I noticed I didn't have my cell phone. And I almost panicked. I was like, I'm about to go to the store. I couldn't even consider, fathom, going to the store for 15 minutes leaving my cell phone on my office desk. I might, miss somebody, I might miss something important. Somebody might be trying to call me. I'm tethered to my cell phone. Many of us are working and we cannot get away from the technology. We need to be on call, we say to ourselves, 24 hours so that we can serve our human masters. We need to recognize that the lust for things will we'll build in us a compulsion. It'll, I no longer am in control. The thing that I lust for is the master, and it just drives me towards it. So we have these three potential allegiances, and the, the bottom two are, are, will spin out all manner of idols. Here's the thing for you to think through. If you think about these bottom two, these human coercion and things, the question you need to ask yourself are what are your idols? I wonder if I, at the end of this service, I went out to the front and I said, you can leave with the Holy Spirit or X, your cell phone, your wallet, some other thing. I wonder how many people would say, would really be like, you know, Pastor Bill, you really don't have that authority to be asking me for my stuff. You know, my stuff is my stuff. You know what I mean? I wonder how many people would really question whether they would want God and his presence in their life or this stuff. When you think through that question, whatever that thing is that's hard to give up, that's your idol. And one of the things we're going to do on Tuesday is we're going to fast and pray in the scripture and that would be an awesome opportunity from Monday night till Sunday, till, till Tuesday at 6 when we'll start our prayer meeting to really do business with God about that kind of thing.
Be faithful as God is faithful. That's the first point I, wanna, I want to, to draw home. We tend to be drawn away from God by the gods of our times. That's the first thing. Here's the second. But God is not like that at all. And this can cause challenges for us. God is not like that at all. 394, verses 12 through 15. But when you saw Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now, here's the king you said, but ain't no conditions have changed. No conditions have changed. Here's the king. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rel against his commands, and if both you and your king reigns over you and, 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 and uh, over you follow the Lord, your God, and you follow your God, good. That was the same condition of the covenant as before. No, no change. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. Nothing has changed. God always remains, uh, always rewards faithfulness, and he always disciplines unfaithfulness. This is, a, this is a pattern throughout history. It is true in the Old Testament under the law. It's true in the New Testament in terms of him blessing our obedience and disciplining us when we fall out of line. It's true in the New Testament. Think of Galatians 6 and 7. If you, if you, if you, if you, uh, if you sow to the flesh, Think of that passage, from the flesh you will reap corruption, but if you sow to the spirit, you will produce light, and nothing has changed. In the Old Testament, there were blessings and curses. And here's the thing. The blessings and curses from the Old Testament, the blessings and discipline for God's children in the New Testament, is a sign of God's love. If you love your, the people under your charge, you will bless them when they do what you know will lead to fruitfulness and righteousness and what will bring peace not only for themselves but for the world. You love that and then you encourage that. But when the people under your charge do what is evil and wicked and leads to lack of peace and lack of prosperity and lack, when they do that thing, you will do your best to rein them in. God remains the same, except in his case, his rules are perfect. Whereas all human authorities were imperfect and inconsistent, our motivations can be off. God's are never, his motivations are never off. He is holy, he is perfect in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, in his justice. And when he makes a, a rule to, to bless you, and a decision to bless you, it's perfect. And when he makes a decision to, to chastise you, it's perfect every time because he is perfect. And these boundaries are, are for our good. Did you know that? Did you ever thought about that? That the curse or, or the discipline is intended that you would love the good and right way. It's intended that you would stay away from that which is 
uh, which is bad. I like the image of the shepherd with the shepherd's crook in, in, in Psalms 23, 23, the rod and the staff, that when the sheep goes away and goes into a dangerous place, he takes the rod, he takes the, st- the staff and grabs him and brings him back. And when something evil comes, he has this rod that's kind of thick to beat away the enemies, to beat away what's wickedness, to, to beat down wickedness, to beat down the devil's work, to beat down sin. God has always been in the business of building up your faith and tearing down your idols. God has eternally been in the business of building up your faith and tearing down the idols. He's going to beat down the idols. He's going to beat out the sin. He hates sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that he can forgive sins. He hates sin. He hates sin. He's always going to beat that down. It's bad for you. It'll lead you to death. But he loves you so much that he will remain the same. Does that make sense to you, beloved? So God always rewards faithfulness and disciplines unfaithfulness. And he always remains the king. Thank God. My, my children hate it when they see me abuse my authority and so does my wife. And I, I love them dearly. I, I want to do the right thing, but I'm human and subject to sin. And so all of the things that one, one would create for themselves to put ahead of God are like that. They might, they might mean well, but they're flawed. They're dependent, they're created, and they, they can't save you. They can't deliver you. They may want to, but they don't have the power. The only one who has the power to save, to deliver, to bring you peace, love, righteousness, and joy is the God who is peace, love, righteousness, and joy. That's the only one. He's willing to give that to you. We've got to go to the right one. He always remains king. It doesn't matter what the political structures are. And so we, should, we can rest in the midst of a period of unrest in American government. You can rest. God is on the throne and we serve him. He's still in, contro- in control. Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because people like you and I are struggling to lead properly. We tend to be drawn away from God by the gods of the times. God remains faithful. He always rewards faithfulness and disciplines unfaithfulness for your, because he loves you. He's always the king. He's not replaceable, even if you want. Now I want to go to the closing application. How do we apply this? So God gives Israel their king. And Samuel closes the address by telling the people, that what they really need is not a new leader, but a new heart. Page 394. Don't be afraid. Man, can you imagine? You, you just told God, we don't want you, we want somebody else. 
and nobody got killed. <laughs> so I believe I'm not, nobody, the king of kings and the lord of lords and his mercy is so great that you can't do I mean, I don't want you no more. Man, you should see this guy. <laughs> and he's like, I understand what you're made of, you're flesh. Let's, let's, let's reflect on things. Don't be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn away from the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away after useless idols. They can't do you any good. They can't rescue you. But for the sake of my name, God made a promise to them that he would be their God and they would be his people. He made the promise to Abraham. He kept it with Isaac. He kept it with Jacob. He kept it with Moses. He kept it with all the judges. He kept it with Saul. He kept it with David. He kept it in Jesus Christ. The real king who was man and God and perfect. The only one who can be a real king without corruption, Jesus Christ. God himself put on flesh, became a man, and he is the ruler. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that my ultimate ruler is perfect. And listen, I talked to him this morning. I'm telling you, he's, he's with you in the early recesses of the morning and late at night when it's quiet and when you feel lonely, you can press into him. I like to use Psalm 23 to press into Jesus, recognizing that, that, that he gives me quiet, that he restores my soul, that he pours, he pours his, 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 his spirit on me in the midst of the public, and that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it reminds me that even when I feel like he's with me or when I don't feel like he's with me, that crook is there to keep me out and that rod is there to beat away my enemies. And sometimes he might have to beat me a little bit to get me back in line. Come on, talk back with me. He loves us. Don't go for useless stuff. As for me, far be it for me, I'm gonna pray for you, I'm gonna teach you what is good and right. Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him with your whole heart. Think about what great things he has done for you. If you but if you don't, you and your king will perish. Faithfulness. How do you develop it? It depends on God's grace. I was talking to one of our staff members. We were going through substance this week. And we were talking about the benefits of God's grace. The fact that he forgave them for trying to replace him right on the spot and nobody died because he wants the people to, to, to be, to know that he's, and that because he's intentional about keeping his name because he loves them dearly. God loves you, he is not, if you are in Christ, if the Spirit of God is in you, he is not gonna leave you nor forsake you. I wanna say Hebrews chapter 12, which is a quote from Joshua chapter one. He will never leave you or if God loves you dearly, but not your mess. He loves you, 
So this person said, my reflection on God's great mercy towards me motivates me, motivates my worship and my love for God. When I think about what God has done for me and all that he's brought me for, that's how, I, that's how we would say it in the, the Baptist black church. When I think about the Lord and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. She said it this way, my, my reflection on God's great mercy towards me motivates me, my worship and my love for God. You, you have to, if you don't really believe that God's grace is a scandalous and amazing, you won't love him. That's point one. You have to understand the tremendous grace that God has for you. That motivates faithfulness. Secondly, steadfastness is fueled by a habit of remembering God's historic faithfulness. I gotta tell you something. I have a tendency to be ungrateful. And I know it. And the people that are around me, they know it too. <laughs> So, I wrote down for the last seven months, real fast, the things that God has done for me just in these seven months. The theological understanding of this is every, at every point when God did a miracle, he told them, remember this and tell your sons. He put a memorial, here's a memorial, right? We saw this even in this, in this story. Where, where Samuel sets up a memorial. After God saves them from the Philistines, they go back and they set up an Ebenezer, a stone of help, so they would remember how wonderful God is, that when you serve him, he's wonderful and powerful to deliver. So I had to write an Ebenezer. It's my Ebenezer list. Help my helpless. This is how God has helped me. The Lord blessed my wife with a great start in her consulting business. The Lord blessed my sister-in-law with a wonderful, godly husband. I got to do the wedding ceremony in Cancun, Mexico. God is good. The Lord blessed my son. Come on, talk back with me. Come on, talk back with me. The Lord blessed my son to attend UW this fall, virtually all cost-free, with the promise of a job as a teacher at Verona High School after his successful completion. These young people tell me it's hard to get a job. They say, listen, finish your school. Do about a 3.0, we got a job set. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless me with the support of a great new administrator here at High Point Church so I can focus more on my pastoral work. Bless me with a church family that encouraged me with their kind words and deeds. God is good. Just today, one of the, one of the persons was, was, we were hugging and praying. Encourage my soul, encourage my soul. Bless me with the opportunity to lead the preaching on the book of 1 Samuel, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Bless me with the opportunity to officiate a rites of passage ceremony so I can celebrate my, my sons going from being uh, in high school to college men and that I can encourage them with words and songs and, and food with a good party, with the kind of party that the father had for that son when he came back with that kind of party. Come on, talk back with me. We Christians know how to have a good time. We don't have to have all this drinking, drugging, and all that, that kind of stuff. We can celebrate God's goodness in song with good fellowship. Well, I had that happen twice with my sons. God is good. God turned my best friend into a spiritual accountability partner. God is blessing me through the reading of substance. I can't wait till you get your hands on substance and how it will get you thinking about how important it is to discipline yourself through the grace of God. I can't, I can't wait till you get your hands on substance. And, and, and I'm gonna use books because books really bless me. That's how God blesses me. 
on preaching and on pastoring by H.B. Charles Jr., praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. That's changed my life, Donald Whitney. Praying about these books are on Oprah's book, book club list of best books. No, they're not. <laughs> but God is good. <laughs> Opportunity to bless my sister, my, my sister's son Ryan by attending his graduation party. And this last one. I volunteer at Orchard Ridge Elementary first grade class several years now. Uh, God gave me an idea late in, my, in the run this year to, to get some food and throw a party. Miss Smith, I've been working with for several years. Miss Christie this year. And when I thank them for what they were doing, their faithfulness to the children, the first grade children that they ministered to, I couldn't even keep it together. I cried like a baby. I never cried like, I, no, I'm a crier. I'm gonna be confession, confession. I cried like a baby. I cried like a baby because I had a chance to be a little bit a part of the ministry they're doing to kids in school. Awesome. Faithfulness is fueled by God's historic faithfulness. You've got to, if you want to be steadfast, it's about the heart. You've got to really understand God's grace. And you, this is your exercise. When we sing in the moment, I want you to think about this year, what God has done to bless you. Here is what I am finding out as a pastor that the Christians who are the most miserable are the ones who fail to remember that God, or the good things that God is doing for them. Come on, that's worth a, that's worth a clap. That's worth a clap. Take that, take that with you. Pastorally, I've learned that the Christians that are the most miserable are the ones that fail to remember what God has done for them. Lastly, faithfulness requires obedience from the heart. If you are struggling with faithfulness right now, you cannot grit your way out of it. You cannot say to yourself, well, I'll just try harder, Pastor Pedro. I'll just, I'm going to just work a little harder. No, 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 no. When, when you're struggling like an engine that starts and stops and starts and stops, you got a problem with the heart. The heart, the engine is the heart. You got to change the heart. You got to fix the heart. You can't grit it out. You can't say, well, I'll just work at it a little bit more. No, that's the time for reflection. That's the time to think about how God's grace has impacted you. That's the time to count your blessings. And once that builds in you the, 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 oh my God, I have it so good in Jesus Christ, then you can begin to follow him with your feet. Once I got the love thing straight, once Jesus is my, 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 my heart's affection, I, and I love and it's not a duty, then my feet can follow. That's where steadfastness comes from. Amen. So here's what we said. Be faithful because God is faithful. We tend to be, to be drawn away from God by the gods of the time, but God doesn't. For our sake, he remains holy. But we have to develop steadfastness mostly by, mostly by applying our hearts to what God has done, is doing, did for us on the cross, is doing today, is doing, I needed uh, some fellowship yesterday. 
It's hard to get with a, um, a, a husband who's got kids off the fly. I sent one text out, text came back five minutes. I can meet with you. I said, Lord, that's you. I really needed a godly man that I could pray with. Come on, talk back with me. Have you ever been in a place when you just need a friend? That's where I was about 5 a.m. on Saturday. I needed somebody. I was doing, blah, 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 and, the, and the friend, and then I, I, when I left this meeting, and I, when I left this lunch, I left refreshed. I was like, I can make this now. I can make it. Reminded me that God is with me, and I got brothers and sisters in Christ with me. I'm a bad man. I can make it today. And you can too. You can make it in Christ Jesus. On Tuesday, I got a text from a dear friend. Her name is Cheryl Gray. About a year ago, her husband, my, also my dear friend, died of cancer. She sent me this text message, and the theme of it is, be faithful, for God is faithful. These are her words, everyone. As I sit and reflect this morning, it's hard to, be, to believe, praise team, you can make your way to the front. It's hard to believe today makes a year that James have been gone. Last year on this day, I texted many friends and family members asking them to pray for the Gray family because James was going into a surgery. They were at Northwestern Hospital. Jimmy, their 28-year-old son, had knee surgery, and Jamie, their 25-year-old daughter, was taking her bar exam. Well, today, I text to ask you for your continued prayers, but also I want to share my praise with you. Her, her husband died that day. She had devotions with him in the morning, and he was dead by the afternoon. God has been faithful to my family, and I choose to be joyful today. Over the year, God has given me strength. She starts to number her blessings. God has given me strength to get up every day. He has provided for me. How many of you know when you lose your lifelong companion, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning? He has provided for me. He has surrounded me with friends and loved ones that supported and helped me. Thank you, Judy Crogfoss. He has healed Jimmy's leg and has given him a new job. He has allowed Jamie to pass the exam and be sworn into the Georgia Bar. Now, these are only a few things he has done, but I'm telling you, it is well with my soul this morning. Last year on this day, James and I sung songs of praise to God. We read scripture together. We had prayer together. This morning, I choose to do those things because I love God. And this is not the journey I would have picked for myself, but I know that my life in Christ is not my own. It belongs to God, and I accept his will for my life. Please continue to pray for us and enjoy your blessing, and enjoy your blessings from God. Yes, I miss him so very much, but it is well with my soul. My question as I close is, is it well with your soul today? Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Or are you running like the prodigal, like the, the lost son? Come on back. Come on. Come to Jesus. I want to talk to you today. He loves you. Whatever you've done, he's willing to forgive. 
throw it as far as the east is from the west. And he's going to give you a new family. Not perfect, but filled with his love. A new family to take care of you. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Are you choosing to remember all the ways God has blessed you this year in your small groups? Please take some time to count your blessings. And can you love God with your whole heart in the midst of the trial that you are enduring right now? Now your trial might be this right now, or it could be like overwhelming, like you're in a flood. But God says, I got you. Can you trust God in the midst of your trial? And my last question is this. Will you be faithful because God is faithful? Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you because no matter how many times we forget how good you are and fall into sin, choosing it willingly, your Holy Spirit convicts us and it draws us to, to repentance. And some of us, Lord, may need to repent today and that's okay. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins. We want to be close to, to you today. Forgive us for our sins. And Lord, I'm praying for the one who has yet, the non-Christian, who has yet to confess you. And press on their hearts, Lord, that it's okay. That you know, you understand. And that there's a place for them in your family with, with your people. Thank you, Lord, because you are faithful. And because your faithfulness leads us to a blessed life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.